Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Uh, this is basically called Relationships. And it's quite apt, really, in terms of the announcements that I've just shared there. And I could have easily taken the easy route of just looking at it generically. Just looking at relationships and how we interact. But I've not sought to do that. There was a part of me this week, as I was preparing, that I was really, really wanting to cop out and just take the easy route. But I've not done that. Because I want to just talk into two specific areas. The first area will be today, and then there'll be another area next, next week. Because the reality is relationships, they affect us all. We're all in relationships at some point, whether that's through family members, that's through being married with children, or, you know, in a relationship dating, etc., etc. And of course, it's a really significant time across the world. I can see looking around, it's not so significant to some of you, but, you know, in a three or four days' time, we're going to be celebrating something called Valentine's Day. I can see, man, it's lost on you completely, okay? But it is, it's in Wednesday, it's Valentine's Day, which very often is, is an opportunity for commercially uh, companies to make a lot of money about. But in essence, the very root of it was talking about relationships, love, connections, friendships, etc., etc. And when I think of Valentine's, I always think of, and I wonder if we could show this video clip, uh, please, Thanks, Chris. I always think of this particular uh, video when I think of Valentine's Day. So we'll watch a video. If you're under the age of 25, you haven't got a clue what, what has just happened there. But if you're over the age of 25, give me a wave and you know that advert. There we are. Okay. All because the lady loves milk tray. I don't know whether I've told this story before, but our first year of, of, of dating, I'd ask Caroline to, uh, could we start going out? That was December uh, the 24th. I asked her on Christmas Eve. And because I'm a romantic at heart. And uh, then obviously February the 14th came along. And what I actually did, I asked, I think it was uh, the Turners to, I bought a, uh, a box of milk tray and got a card and got it to lay once she'd been in the bathroom shower and just got it to lay on a pillow that said, all because the lady loves milk tray. Come on. Come on. Come on. I wasn't going through shark-infested waters. I just passed it to her brother. Said, do the deed for me, mate. There you go, I five. What's all this knife in the mouth and sharks? Just make the easy route. Valentine's Day, relationships. You know, I was reading just, again, just a bit of trivia before we really get into the Bible. You know, Valentine's Day each year, it says now, reported, there are 36 million heart-shaped boxes of chocolate sold. On average, men spend double the amount of money on Valentine's gifts than women spend. Man, we are the hopeless romantics. The average amount a man spends is £100. Exactly. 
there's a lot of guys out there spending a lot of money because they've got my 99 pounds as well. I mean, it's just... It's true. It's according to the National Retail Federation, those figures are there. But relationships, Valentine's Day. So let's look at it, shall we, t- together as we, as we think about relationships. And I want you to lean in. And some of you may say this has no context to me at all because what I'm going to particularly handle but I'm, I know that we can we can we can receive something from God's word it can speak to us even if we don't think it, it, it can it will and and it should and um, what I want to say is with regards to relationships you know I, I don't know about you but I try and look at ways that I can improve the way that I'm living the way that I'm functioning so you know, some people, they're, they're health fanatics and they'll take all the health magazines. They're understanding new techniques of health and new diets. It's because they want to self-improve. Other people take money, uh, articles, and, you know, they've got it on their, on their, on their phones. And there's, the, it pops up and there's news articles about money because they want to improve how they handle the money. And, of course, that's the whole point of finance course, not investments to help us how to handle our money better. You know, other people, you know, they, they're, just, they're just looking at, you know, self-improvement with regards to how can we grow in our workplace, how can we be a better leader, etc., etc. But the point is this, we spend most of our lives in relationships, but how many of us really look and buy books and listen to stuff that can help us in this area? You know, and particularly if we're married, so I'm not going to address that this morning, if we're married, when was the last time we read a marriage book? It doesn't matter if we've been married for 40 years, 50 years, or four minutes. The fact is we can all improve, we can all, we can all uh, learn, we can all lean in to material that's going to help us. And I've realised it's a subject really that we haven't you know, particularly uh, addressed well in Arena Church over the years. And yet it's one of the things that is the bedrock of the church. Because if we haven't got healthy relationships, we really haven't got a healthy church. If we haven't got healthy singles, we haven't got a healthy church. If we haven't got healthy marriages, we haven't got a healthy church. And so it's important that we address this subject. Now, when I look at this week and next week, it's going to be really easy for us to look behind, look in the past. Because I'm going to address some things, and the reality is, across this congregation, there are people who've experienced the pain of divorce. And you can begin to look back, and I don't want you to look back, because that is in the past. You can't do anything about it, guys. Can I hear a big amen? You cannot keep beating yourselves up and pulling yourself down. The fact is, if you were in a bad relationship and something bad happened to you, just leave it there. Look forward. We must not look behind. But equally, I don't want us looking sideways, particularly next week as we address marriage, because it would easily, we, we, we could easily apply this to him who is at the side of me. This is for you. No, this is not for you. This is for you. Have you got that? We have to first apply it to our own lives before we can then seek to then apply it into the context of our relationships. It's very, very easy for me to think, oh, this is great. Bring it on. Caroline needs to hear this. Oh, yes. We've been going through a marriage uh, four-week course with a lot of guys who are about to get married. And it's been a great course so far. And we've sat on the table and I've looked at Caroline when something's come up. And, and then I've looked away quickly because I thought she was going to get me in a minute. And then she's looking at me. What we're doing is we're just applying it to one another. And we've been married for 25 years. But the fact is we can all learn something and we have to apply it to ourselves. 
1 Corinthians 7 verse 8 through to 9 says this. The message in the message. I do though tell the unmarried and widows that singleness might be the best thing for them. As it has been for me. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. But if they can't manage their desires and emotions, they should by all means go ahead and get married. The difficulties of marriage are preferable by far to a sexually tortured life as a single. Just leave it there for a moment if you would. Paul addresses the difficulties of marriage. It's talking about the pressures of marriage. It's talking, talking about the demands of marriage. It is demanding and at times challenging and pressured to be married. There are things that always need doing in the house. There are things that you have to do together that you wouldn't have to do on your own. And that is what Paul is addressing. And he is saying that in some ways it would be easy if you was alone like me. Because there's an ease to to life because all you've got to think of is yourself. But if you're not able to handle yourselves in a sexual context, then it would be better off that you get married. Psalm 119 verse 9 says this, How can a young person, please don't just switch off because, oh, this is for the young people. Because I've met a lot of older people who this word needs to be applied to them. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? The answer is by living according to your word. So what I want to do for this particular morning, just for the minutes that I've got you, I want to particularly address in relationships the area of singleness. And it has an application because if you're handling children, grandchildren, it may be that you are here as a single, as a widow, a widower. How do we, what do we think about? What does the Bible have to say about it? What I was reading as I was researching this, because there's so much that it says around singleness online, is that now one in five relationships now start online. So one in five, 20%. And interestingly, of those people who go online, 81% of people lie about their age, their height, their weight and their figure. So they don't tell the truth. And also, out of that, 71% of people believe in love at first sight. That astounded me. Wow. I took forever to tell Caroline that I loved her. Sorry if that sounds shocking, but I wanted to be sure. And I didn't want to to play around with her and play around with it. So she told me quite a while before I told her. And it wasn't I was trying to be cruel. I was just trying to be... Authentic and true and honest. But now I can say it resounding. I love her with all my heart. In 2015, it was estimated that 51% of the population are now single. So now we're speaking into a subject that affects more of the population than those who are married. There are some discrepancies because, of course, we can't get the whole figure around those who are cohabiting and where does that work. But the reality is all, all sociologists are telling us that singleness is on the increase. It's not on the decrease. And the other thing to say about this is that media bombardment is terrible. Because it puts so much pressure. There's a whole group of young people here. And listen to me. Give me uh, my... Okay, look here. Don't look to one another and I will be checking you. Okay, this row of young people here. Okay, the media bombards you and bombards us and puts pressure on us because it says that you're weird if you're single. You're not weird if you're single. Okay, you're really not. 
And what it talks about, the only way that you can really live and find joy and happiness is in a relationship. I want to say that is, again, a lie. It's not true. Now, of course, there's the blessing of being in relationships and we'll address that and there's such richness and such joy, but it's a lie that the media is trying to sell us or the world is trying to sell us. It's infatuated by relationships. And yet the Bible has so much to say about it. So what does the Bible say about singleness? Well, I've already read from 1 Corinthians 7, verse 8 and 9. I'd like to just take a moment to just context it from 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7. Again, it'll be on the screen. It says this, Sometimes I wish everyone were single like me. A simpler life in many ways. But celibacy is not for everyone any more than marriage is. God gives the gift of the single life to some and the gift of the married life to others. Let's just look at that again. So here we are today in a world that's infatuated by um, you know, the fact of relationships and being, being in relationships. We see here that Paul is addressing this thought and he's, he's basically saying to them that God gives the gift of single life to some and he also gives the gift of married life to others. So if you are single here today, please don't think that you're, we're looking at you weird because actually the Bible has much to say about it. But I think there are four important things to note around the whole area to do with singleness. And when I'm addressing singleness, I am also addressing those, as I say, who are widowed, you know, a widow, a wid- a widow and a widower. There are four in- important things to note. Number one, people are single due to calling. They, 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 they feel called to remain single. They want to give themselves principally to the work of God. This is what Paul was addressing. And there's many commentators who are saying about he was married. And of course, when he talks about, I'm not trying to be clever here, that the thorn in his flesh was a wife. Some commentators have tried to say that. I'm not quite sure that that is the case. Because clearly here, Paul is speaking that, you know, those who are single like me, there was a singleness to his life. And of course, who would have wanted to have been married to an apostle like this? He was shipwrecked. He was stoned. He was here, there and everywhere. He would never be at home in that particular context. And Paul gave himself completely to the work of God. Now, let me clarify. Can you not give yourself to the work of God if you're married? Of course, that's not true. Hopefully you're looking at somebody who's given themselves completely to the work of God and I'm married. So I'm not advocating what we see through the Catholic Church. But there is an essence and an element in that people can feel called to a life of singleness for God. Secondly, people choose to live a life of singleness. It's not about calling. They just choose to be single. And can I encourage us to have a healthy respect towards those who are single amongst us you are not second class here today you are not inferior in any shape or form you are valued like everybody else in the life of this church I hope you get a big in your heart resounding amen because some people choose to live a life of singleness but here's a word of caution point number three don't burn with passion 
Because we've already read it in 1 Corinthians 7 verse 8 to 9. He says, I do though tell the unmarried and widows that singleness might well be the best thing for them. But if they can't manage their desires and emotions, they should by all means go ahead and get married. The difficulties of marriage are preferable by far to a sexually tortured life as a single. So if you're single here... And you don't feel called, and you're not choosing it, but you just are. I would encourage you not to keep going down that track. I would encourage you to, at some point, seek God, where is my partner? Because we don't want you to burn. That's the Bible. We don't want you to burn. Number four, important things, there is someone somewhere for you. There is someone somewhere for you. You know, I'm not going to get worked up where, where you go. I, I, do have, I do have issues if we start looking in areas that I wouldn't be going to. And I'm, I'm, I'm talking to Christian people here. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, you know, please come along for the ride. Just listen in because there'll be some things that you can hear. But I'm talking to from a Christian perspective. You know, I do get very disturbed when I hear Christian people saying, you know, I went to this place. You know, I went to a bar to try and find, you know, a, a, a wife or whatever. I'm not saying that bars are unholy, but what I'm saying is, what are you going to get from there? Now, I did forget to say at the very beginning, there's some things you may not agree with me. I'm not trying to be contentious. I'm not trying to be awkward. I hope you hear the spirit of, of this here this morning. I've been pretty pumped about this message because I want to make sure that we land it right. But you have to hear my heart. I don't think it's appropriate that we go out looking here, there, and everywhere, you know, with all our mates to go and, you know, find a, find a woman out there or women, a man out there. I think there's a time, there's a place where we can believe that God will bring somebody into our path. It may not be through this life of the church. It may be through, you know, and hear me, I, I have no problem with on Christian online dating agencies as long as you're not lying about your age, your height, your weight, and your <laughs> colour eyes and everything else. <laughs> And by the way, you need to be single to be doing those things, okay? <laughs> but, you know, there's other contexts, other churches. There's Christian retreats and all kinds of things. If you don't want to stay, you know, remain single, then, you know, there's an element of you've got to put yourself in environments where you're going to meet people, but also in the midst of that, you're going to trust God. Can I get an amen from some people? So there are four important things for us to note. You know, because I think the Bible has so much to say about singleness. Now, let me just give you, again, some practical thoughts around this. Because how do you know when you are ready to start dating? This is principally for those who are younger amongst us. But it also has an application for those, as I say, who are single. Because I think there's four particular things that, as I've really sought my heart and just tried to get some things that are really clear this morning that would help you guys and help you if you're a, if you're a parent. I was talking to uh, Roland, and we, if, if your kids are in Roland, don't worry, we weren't talking about, you, you know, you guys, okay? We were just talking dad to dad, okay? But we were talking about, how, how, you know, what sort of boundaries do you set in place and it was interesting, Roland brought it up and then I just began to say, oh, it's interesting because I'm going to be talking about this tomorrow. So if you're a parent here, this might help you. If you're a grandparent and you're trying to give a bit of a steer to your child, again, it might be helpful. 
So how do you know, and young people here, how do you know when you are ready to start dating? Well, four things. Number one, I think it's imperative, again, talking to Christians, that you know you have a sound relationship with the Lord. You have a sound relationship with the Lord. You know Jesus. One of the things that we want to help people in Growth Track is we want you to know God, not just know about him. We want you to know him. We want you to have a right relationship with the Lord. I'm so pleased that the guys who are getting married, you know, we've got Jordan and Prash uh, less than a week on Friday. And then the next one quickly followed by Adam and Tracy. And then, ooh, she's getting excited now. Okay. And then quickly followed by Elliot and Sarah. And then quickly followed next year by Corey and Amelia. I mean, they're just getting, everybody's getting jolly married. But I'm pleased that every one of these couples that we've been working with have a sound relationship with the Lord. So I think it's really important that you have a sound relationship with the Lord. Secondly, I think it's important that we're walking within a wholesome church community with accountability. If you meet someone and they're not in church and they're a Christian but they don't go to church, they don't believe in all that, I'd still still steer well clear of them. Let me just be out there. I think there's something about healthily walking through a church community that helps you to keep us centered. I've said to you before, I, I know I'm the past here, but if I said, Lord, I don't want to be around for the next six or seven weeks, I'm just going to have some time off. It has nothing to do with you know, me get, preparing my heart. I just want to be off. I'd be know-how. My relationship keeps me healthy. My daily devotions keep me healthy. But this place keeps me healthy and pure as well. Can I hear a big amen? It's important that we gather That's why it says, don't forsake gathering together. Come as often as you can and gather. Don't be, you know, giddying off there and gadding off there and all the rest. There's something about gathering. And I think it's really, really important if we're looking, how do we know when we're ready to start dating that whoever we're looking at is in a wholesome church community. Did I say this? With accountability. Because that will keep us centered. I'm not talking about somebody being strongly or telling us who we can date and who we can't date. That's control. That's not accountability, by the way. And we're not into that game. But I think there's something about, and I've done it with some of the younger guys as they've walked a journey. I've tried to talk with them, tried to help them, tried to, well, make them accountable with their actions. Number three, I think it's important that as we look at this, of course, it's connected to, to, to your ideal mate, shares your love for God, yeah. your faith, your values, your beliefs. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. And it's the only basis for really building strong. Now, let me, this is where it could be contentious because I know even here, there's people who haven't done that and you're working that, that through and some have come to faith and please don't stone me as, 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 as I walk out the gates. All I will say is I can only speak out of what I've seen. I have seen that sometimes people have got into a relationship and, you know, they've been a Christian, they haven't, and I've seen it work, but I've also seen the other side where it hasn't worked. And if I'm really honest with you, I've seen more that it hasn't worked than it has worked. There's just that shared commonality of faith, of values, of beliefs, of a love for Jesus. You know, I have seen some very, very unhappy scenarios over the many years of leading church where this has not happened. Somebody gets into a relationship and then it just is strained. 
Every counseling context that I've been in over these 18 years that I've been here, most of the time in regards to relationships has been born out of an element of this. So I think it's really, really important that we go for an ideal mate that has the same values. And lastly, and this is where you guys need to understand this. So I hope you're getting it, these younger ones. I'm encouraging you till you have a solid relationship with the Lord. You look for a person who's in church and you look for somebody who actually loves Jesus like you love Jesus. And then the fourth thing is, where is the end goal? Where is the end goal? Well, the end goal is marriage. Really? There's only two reasons why people start going out. You either want to hang out or you want to make out. I know. 15, 16, I wasn't interested in hanging out. I'm sorry, Lisa will have nightmares now. She can't even get her head around this. She said to me before, to me and Caroline, I can't believe you're the pastor and you're saying such things. But let me tell you again, I wasn't interested. I'm not even trying to be funny. I wasn't interested before I met Caroline in hanging out. There was only one thing I was interested in, and that was making out. I'm sorry if I've just come down in your estimation, but I think I probably needed to prick the balloon that takes some of the, what you think about, about me out of it. What I'm basically saying is, is this. You know, we have to understand where is this going. The end goal is marriage. Now, I understand that some people just want to hang out and they have a girlfriend, boy, boyfriend. And listen to me very carefully. With all of our children, we haven't had a, a three-line whip on them. We haven't tried to control them. Honestly, with all of our hearts, we've tried to guide them. We've tried to encourage them. And, of course, we've still got three to, three to go. But, you know, with Annie, the first one, that was where we're at. So Jonathan was her first boyfriend. boyfriend. She'd had people who were interested, interested in it. But she knew when, when she was, she knew, she'd heard us talk about such stuff, that this was going to be a step. It wasn't just to, of course, you've got to hang out to get to know them. But he wasn't just hanging out to make out and then dump them and then move on to another one, hang out and make out and then dump them. Do you know, understand? Yeah. It, was, it was with a purpose and goal of marriage. Yeah. And that is why we've encouraged our kids not to get into relationships too soon. Yeah. So I'm sorry if that, you know, again, upsets you. But, you know, we've, we've said to the guys, you know, what is, what is the point? So with, our, with the case of the girls, we've not encouraged any of our children to have boyfriends. Until they're at a point where, what will that lead to? How can a 13-year-old be thinking about marriage? Hello? Now, that might have happened for you and your childhood sweetheart. That's wonderful. But let me tell you, it doesn't happen for most of us, does it? Can I hear a big amen? It just doesn't. Okay. But, you know, so I understand those things happen, and I'm not going to get pumped and worked up about it. But, you know, if we're trying to try and, you know, build something of a basis that's going to be a, a, help, a boundary that's going to help our kids. I think that's really important. So, you know, for, for, for Isaac, again, we've said that for the girls. We've just said, mate, you know, I, I wouldn't even get involved in it. I, I just wouldn't get involved in it, mate. He's taught to me, you know. But you did, Dad. You had loads of girlfriends. Yeah, try and do what I didn't do. Try and do what I didn't do. You're always making out. And by the way, let me clarify, making out is a kiss. It's nothing more, okay? I want to just qualify that because, of course, it has. I needed to define that. And if you are unable to give a resounding yes to all of the four points above, 
then I want to say this. Your singleness is monumentally better than the probable loneliness of being with a man or a woman in the house who has no intention of serving you or loving you as Christ exampled and instructs. It's a strong statement, but it's true. And what I'm saying is, I'd wait until you can absolutely nail that. I, I, I think there's a good process for uh, dating, and, and I was just thinking about this, because the only time I've ever taught this is, is amongst young people, and of course, this isn't young people. This is a mature audience. But I think the process is still very, very good. Again, teenagers lean in, everybody else leans in, mums and dads lean in, because this will be helpful advice. But I try and say to people, there's a process that I try and take them through in this singleness dating game. And I would say, slow down at each step. And enjoy each phase. The first phase is relating. Get, get, to, get to see in a group. So relate in a group. You know, be around. In a small group. Get to see, you know, what are they like. Not on their own. In a group. The second thing is then it moves on a step. Because you go from relating to dating. And this is now you get to see them closer up I didn't say close up I said closer up you get to see them closer up you get to see them what they're really like how they respond how they react what are they about and I think it's an important process and then the third process is this relating dating and now mating And this is the marrying stage, by the way. This isn't relating, dating, then we'll have the mating, then we'll marry later. No, 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 no. This is relating, dating, mating. This is where you get to see them closely, intimately, at the point of marriage. If I can say this, at this point, marriage, sexual intimacy begins. Now, this is a big shocker. And like I said, please, you know, don't fall out with me. But I I carry this conviction. That this is what it's about. This is what the Bible teaches. <laughs> and 1 Corinthians 6 verse 16 and 20 says this. There's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. As written in scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy. Leaving us more closely than ever. The kind of sex that can never become one. So you can see why I've labored that last point. Because we go from relating. You're in a group seeing them. Dating. You get to see them a little bit closer. And now mating, which is marrying. And of course you get them now to see them really closely. But what a great process. And blessing flows upon that. And I believe it's in the Bible. And of course, some people will take me back to the fact of, you know, Isaac seen his wife and he only catched eyes on her. And then the next chapter it says, and he went to bed with her in the tent. Listen to me. That was a context in which they were working. But there's something about a first century, as we look at, read the Bible from the New Testament, first century into 21st century, we see the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of Paul that is now moving it on. It's, 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 it's working through the old but it's brought into the new and there are some things that he's trying to help us with Jesus God the Paul the Bible is not against sexual relationships it's not against relationships in fact quite the opposite 
But what they're trying to say is, look, there's a great process here that will bring such blessing over your life. So as I close, and I will be finished shortly, because you'll say, well, you've not mentioned the key ingredient in all of this, singleness. Let me use a, a, a youth, youthism. How fit are they? I've, like, I prefer it, Roy, a better way of saying it because I've got a bit more ac- etiquette about me. How important is physical attractiveness? If you're taking notes, just lean in. How important is physical attractiveness? Well, let me be clear. It's very important, but it's not as important as the media tells us. So it's very important, but it's not as important as the media would tell us. I've spoken to some guys, they have two high standards. They think they're George Clooney, and they think they're going to get Michelle Pfeiffer. And they are dreaming. Oh, thank you, ladies. Thank you. Their standards are like, it's, it's like, they think they're absolutely fabulous. I mean, they, they think they're the, the male model of the year. And this is why we have two high standards, because I think we're infected by media standards. We have this ideal in our mind, both men and women, of perfect-looking individuals. For, for speed, I'll just read this. Hollywood star Michelle Pfeiffer. Everybody know who Michelle Pfeiffer is? Yeah. She's officially the most beautiful woman in the world. Well, that's not true, because in my eyes, my wife is. But anyway, this is what they're saying. Her facial features exactly match a complex beauty formula drawn up by Californian plastic surgeon, Dr. Stephen Markudect. No, serious. The doctor has worked out that the secret of true beauty is 1.618, an equation which scientists have dubbed the PHI ratio. He's worked out the ideal width of a mouth is 1.618 times the width of the nose, and every human facial feature can be matched to the same ratio. Listen, using these calculations, the doctor has drawn up a perfect beauty diagram and discovered that Michelle Pfeiffer is the most beautiful woman in the world now I think she's actually very very pretty but if that's the standard that we're working on men and women ladies and gentlemen we've got some problems so physical attractiveness is important but it's not as important as the media would try and say and if we're not careful we can have two high Standards. Listen to me. Our lady and our guy is not a prize to be won. They are a person to love and to cherish. (laughs) They may make you look good when they're on your arm. And let's be honest, guys, most of you are punching well above your weight. (laughs) Ladies, come on. I'm serious. As I am. Way above my weight. I mean, out my league. I'm the heavyweight. She's the lightweight, okay? I'm just trying to add a bit of humor here. Is that okay? But some guys that wear a woman like, like they would a bangle on their arm. Listen, they're not a prize to be worn. Ladies, your man is not a prize to be owned. They're a person to love and to cherish. Secondly, physical attractiveness may hook you, 
but it will not keep you. Physical attractiveness may hook you, but not keep you for time. And we'll touch on this next week. It says, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. It may be the thing that you go, wow. And that's what Adam did. We could take back to Genesis. There was a basic, and you've heard the, the comical phrase, you know, he created uh, Eve and, and Adam went, wow. One, you know, that's where we get the wow man. Whoa, yeah, whoa. He was like, whoa, this is, yeah. I'm trying to get the phrase right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, physical attractiveness may hook you, but it will not keep you. It will not keep you. There's got to be something more in the relationship than just how good they look. Because by the way, none of us look our greatest when we were out of bed first thing in the morning. Although my wife always says to me, look at you, your hair's always... Well, it's the wig, it just stays where it is actually. It's just, it's just terrific. But uh, thirdly, I honestly believe that heart attractiveness is more powerful than physical attributes. I understand sexual chemistry. It's very, very important. You'll find an attractiveness, uh, you know, a phrase, you fancy them, you desire them. That's all, honestly, very, very important in a relationship. I'm not demeaning that. But listen to me, what's more important, this is why I say the phrases, you know, the whole thing of relating, dating, because this is, gives you the chance to see. You'll see into their hearts. Yeah. You'll see into their souls. Because this is what it says in Colossians 3, and we'll close with this. Colossians 3, verse 5 through to 8. And that means Paul is contrasting about living with Christ and setting our hearts on things above. It says verse 1. And, and then he goes on to say, and this means killing off everything connected with that way of death. Sexual promiscuity, impurity, loss, doing whatever you feel like, whenever you feel like it, and grab, grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. But you know better now, so make sure it's all gone for good. Bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, and dirty talk. The only way you'll know what's going on in somebody is by getting close to them. These are heart attitudes that I've addressed here. Now let me contrast this with a beautiful passage of scripture that Paul, Paul brings to the church at Galatia. And he says, what happens when people give themselves to a spirit-filled life? Something remarkable takes place. But what happens, Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23, but what happens when we live God's way? Well, he brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in our hearts, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. Listen carefully. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. The only way you'll get to know that is by leaning into someone and by seeing what they are really like. Like I said, the physical side to it is very important. But if you've got somebody who's full of profanity, meanness, irritability, uh, anger, nastiness, jealousy, and they could be the Michelle Pfeiffer of Ilkeston, what is that? 
I, 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 I implore you to consider heart attractiveness is more powerful than physical attributes. So, where do we go with that? Well, if you're a single, and if you want these notes for what they're worth, you can have them. If you didn't get all the points, I'd encourage you to write them down. If you're a parent here today, a grandparent, I'd encourage you to take those things and reflect on on them a bit more that will help you maybe steer your child into all that God has for them. If you're somebody who's here today and you've trusting God and you're a single, you're a widow and you don't want to be on your own, I want to encourage you to keep leaning in and trusting God that God's going to bring the right person in your pathway who's going to be a blessing to you and you will be a blessing to them. And may we build strong relationships equally. If you feel a sense of, no, I just by choice, I want to live on my own. I want you to know today that we celebrate the fact that you are amongst us and you bring such a richness to this church community and we know that actually God will continue to bless you in your singleness. I wonder if the guys would just come and join me on the platform. I'm going to just draw it to a close. Julie in a moment is going to encourage us to give of our offering but I want to pray so I wonder if we could just bow our heads for a moment in prayer very quickly. Time has gone.